We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How are we doing? Welcome to the show. IB Nation Sports Talk up and running. Glad to have you with us on this Thursday night, the final night of the show for this week. Of course, we do have an IB countdown to kickoff Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. We've got a noon game. We've got an IB countdown to kickoff at 10 because we always have IB countdown to kickoff at 10 o'clock along with Jesse Styers, Sean Styers. Jesse, how are you in Cleveland? Uh, not bad. Pretty pretty sunny out, but chilly at the same time. Uh, work's been flying by this week, so I can't complain. I always like when the week goes by fast, and then we get we get to the weekend and get to watch uh, what we hope to be more good football. Uh, not not so much last weekend, but uh, this weekend I'm, I'm hoping that things kind of turn a little bit. I, we saw some sloppy Notre Dame play and some sloppy Cowboys play last weekend in terms say. Of, of, of football. Uh-huh. Uh, and um, I feel like it was they were wins, but it's like you don't feel good after those wins. It's I get it. A win is a win. But at the end of the day, it's still you'd still like to see your team play a little bit better uh, than than what what uh, Notre Dame and the Cowboys put on last week. Grind it out. Gutto out. Find a way to win. <sighs> you know, I, I don't know about gut it out, but Notre Dame won last week anyway. So they did manage to bounce back. Will they do it again? We've got Notre Dame and Syracuse, of course, Saturday. At noon, the JMA Wireless Dome, formerly the Carrier Dome. It was known as Carrier Dome forever, it seemed like. But uh, now the JMA Wireless Dome, because, of course, money talks and all names change. There I was say, all these stadiums are, like, changing nowadays. I know. I mean, there's no such thing as, you know, like, Heinz Field went away. Uh, yeah. You're seeing it across kind of all, all sports stadiums, arenas. It's just whoever's got the most money, and they're going to slap their name right on the front of it. That's right. Even... Uh, you know, College World Series used to be TD Ameritrade, and it, what is it, like Charles Schwab or something like that, yep. I think, now. So it's all different. We Are Not Marshall says, 
It's the carrier dome. Defiantly. <laughs> That's right. Tell that to the air conditioning guys. I'm sure they'll like it. Brian Higgins from ESPN Syracuse. He's going to join me later in the show after rapid fire. We'll get the uh, Syracuse take on things, get caught up on all things there. I was on his show earlier today and got to talk a little bit of Notre Dame TV contracts and independence and all that kind of stuff came up as well as a little bit on this year's team. So uh, did that on uh, ESPN Syracuse earlier today. Uh, hit that like button if you would while you're sitting in, while you're logging in on YouTube right now. Punch the like button, jack us up, help us out on Irish Breakdown, rate, review, subscribe on your podcast channels as well. Marcus Freeman updated a few injuries in his Zoom press conference today. Nothing major. He started off with Tyler Buckner, which of course I guess is major, but it's been about seven weeks now since the injury to Tyler Buckner. Freeman was asked, you know, the original diagnosis was four to five month recovery time, which puts him back somewhere in the middle of January, potentially. Freeman was asked if there's any change to his status, you know, like maybe he's ahead of schedule, anything like that. He said, no, not ahead of schedule. He's not able to do anything right now. Can't run still because of where he is. So uh, no changes there. Tyler Buckner just recovering as scheduled, doing okay, but not ahead of schedule by any means. Uh, Jack Kaiser and Jaden Mickey, the linebacker and the cornerback, both missed last week's game. They've been practicing this week. They're expected to play Saturday. Brandon Joseph only returned punts last week. He had what Freeman said was a leg contusion, so he couldn't move the way he needed to move to play safety. So he returned some punts, but that was it. A lot of punts, as it turned out, that he was back there on anyway. But uh, he will be back playing safety this week as well. I never dreamed I would talk this much about coffee, especially since I'm not really a coffee drinker. But ever since we first tried trade coffee, my coffee-loving wife is not only hooked, but I've even started to drink coffee. And I've got my mom hooked on it as well. Let me tell you about trade coffee. It's a coffee subscription service unlike anything you've tried before because they partner with top independent roasters to freshly roast and send the best coffees in the country direct to your home on your preferred schedule. Their team of experts do all the work, taste testing hundreds of coffees from across the U.S. every month to curate over 450 exceptional coffees that make the cut. I've told you about our collection, the rich, sweet flavor of the Big City Roast from Joe Coffee, the full flavor of the Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters, where you can actually taste the malted milk balls. We love it. And if what I got isn't up your alley, don't worry. Trade will have whatever it is that you want. You can shop their most popular coffees by roast or flavor profile, or you can take the coffee quiz like we did and get expertly matched with the coffees that you'll love. Trade is the easiest way to get your very best tasting coffee delivered fresh when you need it. You've got nothing to lose because Trade guarantees you will love your first bag. If not, they'll work with you to replace it for free. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order, plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash Irish. That's drinktrade.com slash Irish for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the world. Give it a shot. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. One other thing, Jesse, that uh, I wanted to, to throw this toward you. Freeman was asked about linebackers Prince Kali and Jalen Sneed. Of course, both highly recruited guys. Kali, a four-star guy. Sneed, a five-star guy. It's taken them some time, though, to develop into full-time players. You know, and Kali is a year ahead of Jalen Sneed. So, but Freeman said that with most high school defenses, it's pretty much see ball, hit ball. You know, see ball, go get it. You know, that that kind of thing. Not a whole uh, lot of complexity to it, but it does get more complex in college so as someone who played linebacker high school went on to play it in college what was that like when you when you made that move just in terms of you know just the complexity I guess more being there than uh, your typical high school defense yeah he's not wrong you know in high school it was a lot of just kind of gap scheme defense fill a gap see who has the ball uh, and just go run and make a play there was no you know, I've talked about it before. There was no triangle reads with your guard tackle uh, and, and running back just trying to see, you know, pulling guards, pulling tackles. And I've said it before. If I wish I, I if I would have known what I knew or knew in college back in high school, I would have been even more lethal, uh, I feel like. But, you know, even more lethal <laughs> as uh, if that's possible. Right. Right. But, you know, that's that's the hardest part about playing college football, especially on the defensive side is there's just an overload of information. I just remember that was the number one thing. Uh, and it was a lot, a lot of meetings. And it's just a lot of install. So many, especially when you're playing linebacker, you have uh, pass and run cover, you know, responsibilities. So you have to kind of have two different, you know, things you're thinking about per play, obviously what you're doing in your run fit. And then obviously what you're doing uh, in your pass fit. And it makes things a little bit more difficult. And it's definitely the hardest part. It's 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 a lot of information. And realistically, if you don't know what you're doing, you're not going to get a lot of playing time because you're going to compromise everyone else um, around you. Defenses are largely set up where the play is designed to be made kind of by one or two people. Um, and if you blow, you know, if you blow your your assignment, then the play isn't funneling who it's designed to go to on the defensive side. And so it really compromises things. And so that's I feel like that's a big reason why Snead and Kali are just yes, they have the athleticism, but y- y- you have to know what you're doing because even with athleticism. If you don't know what you're doing, you're going to be slow uh, and, and take a lot of you know false steps. You're just not going to get to yep. your reads as fast as you can. And obviously, not knowing your read makes you a lot slower than just being slower than someone kind of naturally. So um, it's definitely, like I said, it's it's hard, and, and it's the biggest part of transitioning between high school um, and college. I remember sitting in meetings, you know, and, and camp and all those things, and just feeling like I was. It, it felt like a foreign language to me, you know. It, like I, I feel like. Some, the best way to compare it, people who aren't good at math, you see a lot of like 
complex math on the board and you're like, what is this? That's that's what it felt like kind of learning that playbook the first year uh, hmm. and, and that and, you know, recognizing um, different things that are going on. And especially the coverage, like the, the coverage is one of the hardest things uh, to get into, because not only are you, di- you know, diagnosing run run pass, uh, but then you, you, you it's not just dropping back anymore and just kind of following the quarterback sides. You have very specific spots um, that you're trying to get to. So. Yeah, I just overall feel like, especially at linebacker, it's one of the more, more harder transitions uh, when you're trying to absorb all that information at once. All right, very interesting. So some good insight there on that transition. Again, two really good athletes. Like you said, Prince Kali and Jalen Sneed. We're starting to see more of Prince Kali, and and he's playing well in the opportunities that he's got. Jalen Sneed almost made his debut because Prince got hurt on that punt block last week but Kali was able to come back in so we ended up not seeing Jalen Sneed but uh, I mean you know it's a matter of time it's a matter of time we'll see him we'll see him at some point and, and uh, I got a feeling he's going to live up to the expectations Marcus Freeman said that guys who were here when Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa was here just a couple of years ago have kind of compared the two you know body type and just just the whole thing athleticism and everything else. So that's that's a pretty good comparison if you're Jalen Sneed, I think. We wanted to uh, turn the attention a little bit to Syracuse now and uh, see what Notre Dame has to do. To yeah, I, game on Saturday. I, I think that Syracuse is in a an extremely average to above average team. I don't think they do anything really excellent, um, but I, I do think that Notre Dame has a, a very good chance. Um, against against Syracuse if they do the right things essentially they just got to do do the right things and they, and they can't get antsy they just got to patiently stick to their game plan and, and and what they know is good and what you know what they know do what they know that they're good at essentially Syracuse's defense allowing just 15 points a game 123 rushing yards and 171 passing yards Purdue only ran for 61 yards against them, but Aiden O'Connell, the quarterback, threw for over 400. And then, like you look at last week against Clemson, they only threw for 157. DJ Uyangalale got benched for Klubnik, and Clemson ran for 293 in the comeback win against the Orch. That is a huge number, almost 300 rushing yards, considering Clemson had to come from behind in the fourth quarter to win that one. And it wasn't a high scoring game by any means. Yeah. That, that's the number one thing that stuck out to me when watching, you know, Clem, watching Clemson Syracuse was like the best film to watch, right? Because Syracuse just played a good team. They're rolling into it. Obviously what I consider another good team in Notre Dame, I, you know, you can, it's hard to say good, but I still think they're good and they can do a lot of good things. Uh, okay. But you know, you know, Clemson ran the ball 60 times that, that, that 300 yards just didn't come out of nowhere. Clemson, you know, stuck to their game plan and they, they ran that thing 60 times and they averaged five yards per run. So if I'm averaging five yards per run, I'm going to stick to running the ball, um, especially with kind of, you know, the defensive fronts uh, that Syracuse likes to show. Um, So yeah, if that's kind of where we want to get started, you know, Syracuse runs, Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's we were talking before we started about this Syracuse three three five defense. I'm curious what you think of this scheme that they run. I'm <laughs> I'm not a large fan of the three three five, and you run a three three five in my opinion when you're more scared 
of what teams can do to you in the passing game. But it seems that Syracuse is best. You know, you brought it up. They, they don't really give on average. They don't give up a lot of rushing yards per game. But Clemson just ripped off the 300 yard game. And so it, it makes you look at it in, in a way of, OK, is Syracuse was Syracuse getting by because they weren't playing a lot of good run, you know, run, run, run threats. Um, and, and just kind of getting, you know, in that regard, not getting lucky, but it, it just really seems that Syracuse wants to limit your run game and make you throw with the three, three, five, because the three, three, five allows you to just really drop back into coverage. You're not rushing a lot. Um, and, and their defensive linemen are, are also very undersized, uh, for, you know, for defensive linemen. So it's really head scratching to me that they, they haven't given up more, uh, of the run, the run game this year. And I think that that's actually where Notre Dame is going to have their most success this week is because if Syracuse wants to come out with three down linemen, that immediately, you know, okay, we were also talking before the show, you'll see them come out and basically, you know, three down linemen and they'll walk down some of these linebackers, right? And so right. Then it, it creates kind of like a four four down linemen or four, four defensive linemen look. But it, it really doesn't matter, and I'll tell you why, because it's still the same numbers in the box. That's really ultimately what it comes down to is yes, you know, a lot of times when I was looking at a lot of love and personnel, which Clemson runs and they run a lot of tight end wing, which also, you know, Notre Dame runs and that's one of their favorite formations. And so looking at that was a good indication of what Syracuse would want to do because Notre Dame's going to run the same formation. And so a lot of times in this 11 personnel with the tight end wing, Syracuse was just going three down linemen, three linebackers. And yeah, they'd walk down a linebacker. So then it just comes a four, two at that point. It's still the six, six people in the box. And it doesn't really matter if at that point, because, you know, Notre Dame can either combo up with their with their offensive linemen and get to the linebacker because there's only three down linemen. Right. And you have five, five offensive linemen immediately, you know, you're going to reach up to, to these linebackers. Yeah. And so I just really feel like, again, Notre Dame should have ease running the ball against Syracuse if they're going to stick to that three down lineman look. And you see it a lot in first and 10 long down situations. They. They kind of get more into walking down their linebackers and when it gets to second and five, you know, third and three, that kind of stuff. But definitely first and ten, they're they're gonna show mainly just three down linemen. And that's a that's a a fit that Notre Dame has had. They don't they haven't fared well against three down linemen, but they should be able to just power their way through that. And I think that that's something that they have to not they have to be patient with, right? You can't you have to know that you can continuously pound the ball and not get impatient and start throwing when you don't need to. I think that that's when they get into some issues is when they start throwing the ball kind of uh, recklessly or, or, or when they don't need to, when the run game is consistently working. I wonder, like BYU is a predominant odd front team, and a lot of what you saw from BYU was they were going to stick to three down, but they came out with four down linemen. Do you think that Syracuse could change things up a little bit with Notre Dame in mind, considering how much of the, you know, the heavy 12 personnel and 13 personnel and, you know, and even running out of 11 personnel, do you think that they would change things or, you know, like if they see 11 for Notre Dame, like they're going to try to attack it the same way they tried to attack Clemson last week. I think that they're going to, if it's, it's tough because I think that they should do one thing, but they consistently showed another thing. Like, Syracuse consistently came out with three different alignment, even though that Clemson was averaging five yards a carry. So naturally, why wouldn't you put another player in the box 
Um, and knowing that Notre Dame can run the ball so well, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more four down linemen look uh, this week because of, you know, that's Notre Dame's strength. They, they, they obviously want to run the ball first and then get the play action that comes off of it. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we see Syracuse kind of change up what they're doing uh, and go with maybe a seven, a seven box and make Notre Dame. I think that Syracuse's game plan has to be, we want Drew Pine to beat us. We want to take away Notre Dame's run game. And if Drew Pine beats us, so be it. So I would, if I'm Syracuse, I'm going seven in the box, four down linemen. I'm just adding essentially another, uh, another defensive lineman uh, and coming out with, you know, three linebackers in that case. Yeah, and, you know, like Derek is saying, Cuse's strength is their defensive backs. That's absolutely right, which is probably why they play part of this 3-3-5. But at the same time, you know, are you are you going <laughs> to – are, are you just going to concede the run? Like you said, I would think that they're going to load up and try to stop the run and, and make – because of the, the fact that their secondary is so good, just what you said, Jesse, make Drew Pine have to beat you with with the arm take away the run and and make drew pine have to use his arm to beat you and another you know another good thing that's conducive if they want to run that three down three down lineman look it's so easy to seal off the edges Notre Dame has to get to the perimeter they have to have plays that allow them to get to the perimeter Clemson had a lot of success of running plays outside of the tackles and it that that, that that's easy because you only you only have to see there's no fourth defense alignment you have to seal you know, it's just three linemen and you seal off the one side and then your other, basically your other, you know, if, if you pull a tackle, he's going to work up to that outside linebacker and you seal those two guys off and it, it's, it, it should be, you know, easy money essentially. And I think that's where, you know, Notre Dame has to really have a concerted effort is to kind of power run on the outside, get to the hashes, get to the perimeter. And that's more, you know, that's something that we've been wanting to see more of. And I think this is the kind of perfect scenario uh, to do that kind of thing. So what about 21 personnel? We've talked about it. Tommy Reese was talked, you know, asked about it this week. We talked about his comments regarding it uh yesterday, you know, whether it's 21 or 22, predominant 21. They've they've slipped in some some two running back and two tight end from time to time, but you know, so whatever you want to call it two back stuff. How does that play do you think against the Orange defense? You know, I I I I made a in my notes here, I put a star around when Clemson went to two back sets and it really gave, you know, they didn't do it a whole bunch, but it really gave uh, Syracuse a lot of fits. And it's because they put one of their backs in motion. And so immediately that linebacker was following that motion. He It was almost like he went in motion. And if you're, you know, as a linebacker, you're supposed to be kind of watching the play, but his eyes immediately went to the running back and he was no longer a part of the box essentially. And so I think a lot of what Notre Dame could do potentially is get the motion going with their one, you know, their one running back, it gets everyone's kind of eyes diverted. And then you just hit them, you know, with a solid run up the middle when they're still going with that three down lineman look. And I, I, I really wrote down, you know, their linebackers get very, very easily distracted by motion. It's like, it's like a kid in a candy shop. As soon as they see candy, that's all that they're, you know, enamored with. And it's seriously, every time that they, at, that Clemson went into motion, that's all that they fixated on. And it's like nothing else. They had no other reads, which is really kind of confusing to me Interesting. because when you play, you know, disciplined football like that, it, it should almost be passing off or, you know, you're, you're not just diverting away from it just because of motion and Notre Dame does a lot of motion. Right. And so that's something I think that they need to do, continue to do a lot of, 
And we've talked about it before. It just gets defenses thinking a lot. It gets guys out of motion. It gets guys kind of paranoid of, oh, no, this is motion. You know, what's happening? What do I need to do? What is this change in the formation? And so I think if Notre Dame can get into two back sets and just decoy motion a lot, not even, you know, you, you can put Tyree in motion. You can fake a screen out to him and then just run a halfback draw. You know, something like that is something very simple that they could get into against Syracuse. And I think it would take advantage of their linebackers who I said, again, get very easily distracted by the motion. Very interesting. Anything else in Notre Dame's offense, Syracuse defense matchup you want to talk about before we talk about the other side? Yeah, you know, Syracuse, again, they, they, their strength is their DBs, and their DBs play off a lot of times because that's that's well, that's what good DBs do. They have confidence in themselves that they can play off like that. And so it <laughs> this, again, plays right into Notre Dame's game plan, in my opinion. You run the ball. Uh, you know, and then, and then you, you kind of flip out those short out routes or those, you know, those plays where Michael Mayer goes in motion and kind of leaks out into the flat three or four yards and catches it and gets, you know, six or seven yards. And if that's what Syracuse wants to do, if they're going to stick to this three defensive lineman look and their DBs are going to play back, well then just pound the run off of them and then just hit, you know, the short passes, uh, in the flats. And, and that's really what Notre Dame's offense should be about. In my opinion, we talk about a lot of you know, their foundation, that's Notre Dame's foundation. So I think Syracuse plays a defense that is very conducive for Notre Dame's offensive success. Yeah. Got a question in the chat regarding Steve Angeli from Tom Chris 2488. If Pine keeps missing open receivers and his completion percentage stays around 50%, do you try Angeli or just ride or die with Pine? We've, we've talked about this a little bit. I think we had it in rapid fire yesterday as well. We've talked about this a little bit this week yeah yeah, we did we did talk about it in rapid fire last week marcus freeman wanted there to be at least a three touchdown buffer in terms of the score to get steve angeli on the field in the fourth quarter so what that tells you is in the fourth quarter he was not comfortable in a two-score game putting steve angeli on the field and, you know, he was asked a little bit about, I think, afterwards and, and earlier in this week as well. He's basically saying Steve Angeli is not ready to go. He's developing. They're getting him ready. Like, he's the number two quarterback. If something happens to Drew Pine, he has to go in. But it's a much smaller package of plays that they have for Steve Angeli. And so if he could have he got Steve Angeli out there on the field more Saturday, last Saturday, if he wanted to. but. I don't think they think he's ready right now, just based on everything we're seeing and hearing. Yeah. And, you know, I, 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 I get, this is, it's always a revolving door. Anytime there's a new quarterback, it's always, well, what's the next quarter? What's the backup quarterback up to, you know, what's yep. like, there's always a better option. And it, it's kind of crazy because Angeli is so young and he is inexperienced and yeah, Pine has been playing bad. But I, I, I largely think that, it, you know, Pine gets rolling as as like a, he's like a little like a, he like has to charge up essentially like he's almost a battery. You get him these nice, easy throws. He charges up, charges up. And then, then he hits, you know, he hits these nicer kind of more downfield passes. But in my opinion, there's no real circumstance that would call for Angeli unless injury. I don't think that there's any right. pro to running Angeli out there at any point, even if Pine is struggling. I think they've already kind of gone through a lot of quarterback, you know, transition this year and just adding another, you know, another, it's just, 
there's rhythm with it. There's timing with it. You know, your, your wide receivers, your running backs, they all get accustomed to kind of this timing of even on run plays, pass plays. And when you introduce kind of a new quarterback, it's just everyone's timing is off. And so for that reason, you know, I, I, like Pine has to throw like five interceptions on five straight passes before I think Angeli can come in. I just really don't see any pros to bring out Angeli unless Pine gets hurt. Michael says, a serious question. Tommy doesn't have a guy who's been on campus for three years playing good football. Do you really think he has Angeli ready when he's been around? <laughs> Very good point. And, you know, for a New York guy, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much nailed it. And I, I just, uh, yeah, if, if he if he was close to ready, like even in a two-touchdown game in the fourth quarter the other day, I think we would have seen him out there, even if it was just handing off, you know, grinding it out at it's, the end of the game. It's funny because they didn't even trust – and the, the play that Pine went out, they didn't even trust Angeli to even take the snap. They had a tight end come in motion, right. go under center, and take – granted, it's a good play, but that just shows you they didn't even want him to potentially fumble a handoff in the red zone. And so True. I think that should tell you enough of how – where they think Angeli is at right now. I think he is an absolutely emergency scenario. Like it's something – Absolutely bad. Like, Pine has to be knocked out of the game in order for Angeli to come in. Henry is all about it. I mean, he agrees. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So what about defense? What can Notre Dame do to slow down Syracuse, you know, they gave up Notre Dame on the ground, 219 yards to Marshall, 164 to BYU. Uh, the most since then, uh, oh, the 164 against BYU is the most since giving up the 219 to Marshall. They gave up 146 to UNLV last week, but Syracuse's offense averaging nearly 34 points a game, 179 rushing, so solid but not great, 233 passing and you've got a, a big mobile quarterback in Garrett Schrader who's thrown for over 1600 yards and completing 70 percent of his passes but he's also their second leading rusher with 371 yards behind Sean Tucker who is uh averaging 5.4 per carry with nearly 700 yards so what uh what key do you see for Notre Dame and defensively against their Syracuse offensive attack yeah, you kind of got into it there a little bit. I think Notre Dame's biggest key is being on Schrader at all times. I think that Schrader – I think that – Notre Dame's linebackers are going to have a tough game, tough assignment this game because I think that, that Syracuse is going to come out with a lot of QB design run plays. I think that has to be Notre Dame's primary focus is taking away the run game and not only taking away the run game but taking away Schrader's ability to run the ball. And that's kind of – I would say that the most similar comparison to, you know, what this offense is doing and kind of, you know, the, the pieces that they have is North Carolina because North Carolina's quarterback was a solid thrower, but he also, the way he would hurt you is when pocket collapses 
and he can scramble out and get those easy first downs. Right, and, I and think he only that, did it on the first drive in that game, and they shut him down afterwards. Right, and so Notre Dame's biggest biggest priority needs to be shutting down the run and shutting down any design, you know, run plays for Schrader, and make make Schrader be a thrower. You know, make him beat you with the with the passing game because I think if they can make them one dimension one dimensional, I'm not saying Schrader is a bad thrower, but when you take away the run game and you know that they're in passing situations, it becomes a lot easier. And I don't think he's an elite enough thrower that he's going to beat you with his arm. He can, he can make the, you know, the good, pretty good, you know, he's got a good arm. He can make good passes, but he's not going to make elite passes. He's not going to throw, you know, deep bombs down the field. He's going to throw 10 to 15, you know, yard routes max, but you got to take away the run game and you got to take away the Schrader design run plays because against Clemson, on their first couple of drives, that that was their mo. You know, Schrader was taking a lot of QB handoffs, a lot of RPO looks, and I think it's going to put Notre Dame linebackers uh, in a tough bind. And again, even on passing downs, you got to have a QB spy on him. You can't let the pocket collapse. That's what I was going to say. They did start spying um, Drake May, the North Carolina quarterback, later in the game, especially, and that did help shut him down. So, is that kind of like how how do you keep him in the pocket? specifically because that is the most important thing make him have to stand there and and be uncomfortable when he really wants to run so uh, quite a bit your edge rushers just can't get too far upfield you can't create running lanes for him when the pocket collapses you know when you're stunting the stunts need to land and end on Schrader you can't you can't get too up far upfield or past him essentially and that creates a, a big running lanes at the same time well on that subject so many of Notre Dame's run, you know, rushes by the defensive end specifically just seem to mostly be speed rushes, you know, straight off the edge. You don't see a lot of spin moves or, you know, like a, you know, like a club or, a, you know, any of the, 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 you know, swim move, any of that different kind of stuff. And that seems to be when they do run past the quarterback so much. Like what do they need to adjust that, do you think? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that Notre Dame could benefit from is just some basic kind of stunts where, where you you loop your defensive end out and you you take your defense and you loop your defensive tackle out. It almost looks like a wishbone or like a cross kind of, you know. And so the defensive end becomes a defensive tackle and the defensive tackle becomes a defensive end. And what that does is it creates a pressure lane up the middle. And I think that pressure in Schrader's face, like yeah. coming right down the barrel, is going to be their most success because – quarterbacks when you're when you're running or blitzing straight at a quarterback it, it almost takes away kind of that run because they can't really go anywhere you can't step up right and so the only way is to go lateral but by that time you have a full speed man running at you and you're trying to you know escape laterally so if they can get some stunts and pressures where I like them blitzing up the middle a lot this game I don't like a lot of outside pressures I like pressures coming in the middle and being in his face because not only you know, even if you don't get there, you're clogging the throwing lane and you're making him make a decision, you know, fast. He's got to make a decision of, am I getting rid of it or am I going to try to tuck it and run here? And Schrader is still a relatively inexperienced quarterback, you know, in terms of success. He he played last year. He didn't start every game. He played, I think, about most every game and was not great. He was only like a 52% passer last year, but he's 70% this year with an eye, the new offensive coordinator but this is a guy who was at Mississippi State they were going to move him to wide receiver and that's why he decided to transfer and now here he is at Syracuse and he's having success so I've got to think this is a guy if the pressures are right and you're doing the kind of things that you're talking about that this is a guy you can rattle and make make some mistakes in there 
Yeah, and that's that's got to be the biggest key is you just got to rattle him. He he needs to be uncomfortable, you know, predominantly the whole game. There needs to be no rhythm. And like I said, you take away his running game and you make him throw it and then you get some pressure in his face. I think he could have a very long game because to, to, to be honest with you, Syracuse doesn't really impress me offensively. I think their biggest strength is what they do defensively. Um, and you look at last week's game. You know, Syracuse scored 21 points, but seven of those points came off a Clemson fumble inside the five-yard line, which they scooped and scored and took, you know, all the way back for a touchdown. That's a 14-point swing. You take that away alone. Syracuse only scored two offensive touchdowns um, against Clemson last week. And uh, one of them, you know, one of them was kind of right behind, right, be- or right at halftime, you know, when, when they had a shorter field. And so that's, you know, that's a four, like I said, that's a 14-point swing. That game all from there could finish, you know, 34, 14 instead of 27, uh, 21. So I, I really don't think that Syracuse, what's the best way to put it? Syracuse doesn't pose a huge threat offensively as long as Notre Dame makes them one dimensional and takes away kind of that run game that they have. Cause sure. you know, Sean, Sean Tucker is a good running back for Syracuse. He's the number 20, 20 back in the nation when it comes to rushing yards, he's, he's a solid runner. And so I think, the, the combination of Tucker and Schrader and the runs and kind of the RPOs that they're going to want to work off of that, it has to be Notre Dame's number one priority this week. We saw with that that long mesh RPO action that Stanford did to him, and I think that that's got to be what Syracuse is watching is, you know, what did Stanford do successfully against Notre Dame? And they're going to try to mimic a lot of that kind of stuff because they run, they have a quarterback that can run, and they have a very good running back too. And so we, we know that Notre Dame struggles with the RPO, and it's on film, so that has to be Syracuse's main priority. All right, good stuff as always, Jess. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
accounting, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. 